Hi, and welcome to episode 4.1 of Rambling About Greek Mythology, a lax podcast where I just talk about a lot of Greek mythology. So this podcast and the one following it will both be appendage podcasts. What that means is, is I've dedicated a section of a bigger subject that we talked about and decided it's really important that I go over all of it. Sometimes that just means there are a lot of kids I want to talk about, um, a lot of random stories I need to cover. Uh, But yeah, these are not necessarily like you need to um, hear these completely. Like, oh, if you don't hear them, you won't know enough. Because most likely than not, uh, this episode specifically, you should be fine in terms of like we will encounter this later on uh, throughout the podcast. But just in case I wanted to make a failsafe... um, just to cover in case I don't get to cover everything. So that's pretty much it. You don't have to listen to this one. The next one I do recommend, just because some of the stuff will really not come up more than like that podcast, but this one, not as much. It also, this this one will also be a lot longer. Um, So I really do warn you of that. Because today's topic is the progeny of Oceanus and Tethys, uh, two of our favorite titans. And we'll talk a fair about fair amount about their progeny too if they're important enough so uh let's just dive right in so oceanus and tethys were really prolific parents uh they produced canthus a son distinguished in like one story that we'll talk about the oceanids three thousand daughters luckily we don't need to know all three thousands uh the naiads they're just these like female embodiments of like streams rivers lakes and etc springs um and all the rivers in the world who are all male um, so yeah, mostly streams can be female, but all rivers tend to be male and almost every single one is a, um, male unless like specified otherwise. So yeah, let's dive right in. So Canthus or Caanthus, um, there's like a, there's the, there's that two dot thing, um, over the second A, I don't remember what it's called the diaresis i think is the term anyways canthus so no progeny no progeny to note um but there is a fun little story so one day uh his apollo carried off his sister melia in oceanid and canthus uh as these stories tend to go was sent to get her back um this tends to occur a lot in mythology and this is another classic. And unable to successfully negotiate her return, um, he got super angry. And, I mean, I guess that's understandable, obviously. And set fire to a sacred grove of Apollo, um, leading to Apollo just shooting him and killing him. <laughs> so, yeah. Fun little story for him. That's, like, his one feature. Then we have the Oceanids. So, there's a list that uh, Barthel deems to be, like, super notable. Um and most likely due to Hesiod listing these out is the logic. So we shall just discuss these since we have this whole episode I've dedicated. So Acaste or Acaste. Um, so her significance, like a couple others will be in this list, is she was one of Persephone's companions according to the Homeric Hymn to Demeter. Um, so in the Homeric Hymn to Demeter around like line 400 something, uh, there's just this massive list of all these companions that Persephone was flower picking with. And apparently it was like way more than just like three people that I thought it was. Um, and so, yeah, she, this is like when she gets kidnapped by Hades. We'll talk about that later. Ithra, um, the next Oceanid, she may be the mother of the Hyades, Pleiades, and Hyas by Atlas. Um, that's just a possibility. 
tends not to really be the case. There tends to be like different mothers for each one. Um, but yeah, that's just one thing. Uh, Asia or Asia mentioned last episode, mother of Atlas, Minoetius, Prometheus, and Epimetheus. Um, according to one really odd version of Herodotus, she may actually be Prometheus's wife, but that's pretty unlikely, so just don't go with that. Um, yeah, the next we have Calaroy. Uh, she's apparently because of how this, uh, how the Greek is in Hesiod, there's a possibility that Calaroy, um, the wife of Chrysaor, may have bore, born uh, Echidna. But that's usually not the case, so don't go with that. Um, just letting you know, if you want to argue, I guess um, you can be me and argue that because of the issue of the Greek, we can go with the calorie technically bearing Echidna. Um, but again, she just bears uh, Geryon to Chrysaor. Uh, that's like that weird three-bodied monster guy who tends like the cattle of Apollo. We'll talk about him more in depth uh, in the Heracles episodes. So yeah, so Calorie did have a bunch of other kids by a bunch of other people. Um, so by Nilus, like the embodiment of the Nile, um, according to Maurus Servius Honoratus, um, this is like a commentary on Virgil. He does like commentaries on Virgil Aeneid, Virgil's Aeneid, and uh, she allegedly mothered Caione, whom Hermes turned into a snow cloud on Zeus's orders uh, after she was like raped by a local peasant. Um, usually that snow stuff is attributed to Kyone, uh, dot, the daughter of Boreas and Orthea, so just take that with a grain of salt. Um, this is one version of the story. Then by Poseidon, uh, Calroy may be the mother of Minyas, uh, this king of, like, Boeotian or Commonus, which we will encounter so much in this episode. Uh, and allegedly, Minyas was the first person rich enough to build a treasury, uh, usually he's said to be the father of like a bunch of people, including Archimedes, uh, Siparasus, Clymene, Leucippe, Arsipi. So uh, Leucippe, Arsipi, and Alcathoe, uh, we should encounter when we do the metamorphoses. They're like this specific uh, three daughters that like didn't uh, go to Bacchus's festival and they tell a bunch of stories. Um, he was also apparently the father of Elara, the mother of uh, Titius by Zeus. Um, R.I. Arithyrea, uh, the mother of Phleas by Bacchus. Um, the significance of these people, we will get to them later. Uh, by Manes, some super obscure Phrygian king who was apparently like a son of Zeus and Gaia. Uh, she bore Attis, Cotus, and Acamon. Um, the only significance, the only significance of their kids is that Cotus is sometimes said to be the father because of Attis, like a kid of his. Um, of Lydus and Tyrannus, but those are, they're usually said to be the kids of Heracles and Amphale, so I don't know what to really do with that, besides be like, hey, here you go. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's just kind of there. Now we have Calypso, an Oceanid, not to be confused with Calypso, uh, the daughter of Atlas. So this Calypso was just with Persephone when she was kidnapped. Um... Chryseis, another Oceanid, same thing. She was with Persephone when she was kidnapped. Now we have Clymene, the Oceanid. She is usually said to be the mother of Iapetus's like, progeny, that being Atlas, Prometheus, Minoetius, and Epimetheus. Um, Clytie was a wannabe lover of Helios, 
and so she's a like um oceanid and so what ends up happening is is she like watches helios like you know she i guess just found him like super attractive or something and um helios kind of like spurned her and went after uh this girl uh named like Lucothea um or Lucothoe depending on your version and what ends up happening is is that uh Clytie actually tells or Camus, uh the father of Lucothea or Lucothoe and he ends up burying her alive and so Helios turns uh her into a frankincense tree which is was called Lucothoe and uh Clyte, like, you know, he never forgave her because of this whole annoying, I guess annoying is a very light way of putting it, but terrible thing she did. Um, so she just watched him, like, apparently she just sat on the ground and just watched him every day, and then she turned into a sunflower, um, which I guess is, sunflowers are supposed to be pretty or something, but still, you know, like, what? So yeah, she's, she's like a heliotrope, because all she does is follow him. Then next we have uh, Daera. She may be one of the teachers of like the Eleusinian mysteries. Um, although Taera being an oceanite, I don't know if I'm a big fan of that because uh, she's also said to just be like a name associated with like Persephone and Hecate. Or Hecate. And uh, I mean, she is also said to possibly be the mother of Eleusis uh, by Hermes. But usually when you have a lot of name associations, it's more likely just a epithet. Um... But also it could be like, you know, people like combining uh, insignificant people to significant people and then you reduce them that way. So it could go either way. Um, but tends to be sometimes abstractions are just like made names and made people when they're not really. Um, so yeah, that's just the thing to keep in mind. So then we have Dione. Um, she's this oceanid and so really her only big significance is that in the Homeric realm, She's thought to be like the mother of Aphrodite by Zeus, which is quite different from the other story of Aphrodite's birth we talked about earlier. Um, so yeah, that's like one thing to keep in mind because she does show up in the Iliad, I'm pretty sure, um, to heal Aphrodite after she's wounded by Diomedes. So yeah. Then we have Doris. She's just the mother of the Nereids that we listed out in episode Older Gods Part 2 um, by Nereus. Then we have Idea. Uh, she married Aedes, this king of Colchis and son of Helios and Perse slash Perseus, depending on your like version, and bore him Medea and Chalciope. Then we have Electra. She married Damas and had Iris and the Harpies. Uh, again, review Older Gods Part 2 if you like need a refresher on that. Um, Euronome another oceanid uh she bore the graces uh sometimes named aglaia euphrosine and thalia is usually the way you go but there's sometimes cardis or cardis in homer and pasithea in the aeneid um either way your name bore these to zeus but that's just like a thing to keep in mind um yanera is another oceanid she was just also there when persephone was kidnapped uh liriope uh, she was actually the mother of Narcissus um, by Cephasus, a river god that we will talk about later. Uh, then we have, and Narcissus's story uh, will also be talked about when we get to like the metamorphoses and stuff. But yeah, that's just like a thing to know. 
His mom's a pretty good one to know, especially if you're competing. It tends to be the buzzers, like Liriope as opposed to Cephasis. Um, but yeah. So then Melia, possibly the mother of Pholus, the centaur who entertained uh, Heracles with wine. Uh, but then other centaurs smelt the wine, and a huge fight had to take place because Heracles like had to like you know stop them from going wild, and eventually end up in this big battle of like killing all of them. Um, so Melia fought or bore like Pholus to Silenus. Um, he's thought to be this like satyr follower of uh, Bacchus. I'll, oh yeah, by the way, I will be referring to Dionysus as Bacchus the whole time because uh, Bacchus works for both latin and like greek and not just like one or the other um so yeah then uh there's meliboya she bore lycaon the super terrible arcadian king to pelascus pelascus's birth is pretty uh, debated but he's a really cool uh interesting character that we'll get to talk about later i don't know if it's in this episode or the next but we will talk about him for sure shortly um, then there is Metis. She's another oceanid. She's just the mother of Athena by Zeus. Um, she's pretty significant because she's like Zeus's like first wife. Um, we will talk about her in the uh, Rise of Supremacy of Zeus. Then we have Akaroi. Um, she was supposed to be the mother of Phasis by Helios. Uh, Phasis one day found her with a lover apparently and killed her. And then he threw himself into a river called the Arcturus, and it became named the Phasis. Um, so that's just like a weird little story that I guess there to know. Kind of just random, though. Doesn't really do much for you, I think, in terms of like general uh, story and world building. Then we have Patho. Um, she allegedly married Argos, the son of Zeus and Niobe. Um, the daughter, Niobe being the daughter of Phronius and Teledice slash Kina. Um, that context probably doesn't make too much sense for you, but she apparently married like the first like person named Argus, um, who's the son of Zeus and Niobe. So that's just like a little thing to know. Um, Perseus, she was the mother of Aedes, Perseus, Circe, and Pasiphae by Helios. We will talk way more about them next episode. Um, then there's Philera. She's the mother of Chiron by Cronus that we talked about before. There's Pleione. She's usually said to be the mother of the Hyades, Hyas, and the Pleiades by Atlas. There's uh, Pluto. Um, she's said to be the mother of Tantalus by Zeus. Then we have Rhode. Uh, she's said to be the mother of the Rhodian people by Helios, which we will also talk about next episode. Um, the Rhodian people honestly aren't super significant, I would say. It's just like they're a weird little like ni like niche. Niche? Niche? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if the noun changes. Um, but yeah, it's like a weird little like section just to talk about it's pretty brief not too too significant so there aren't that many naiads or na like that we need to talk about um we'll just go with the one barthel noted and then like i mean if we encounter them elsewhere we encounter them elsewhere so arethusa um she's actually this follower of artemis and she was pursued by this river god alpheus also a son of ocean oceanus and tethys um from greece to ortigia which is later known as like syracuse um, where she, like, tried to become a well, but he literally mixed with it her waters anyways underground. Like, and no one knows, like, why this happened, because allegedly Alpheus was supposed to be, like, a good person. Like, allegedly he was, like, super loyal to his wife, and this happened all of a sudden. Um, so Barthel made some, like, meme about, like, uh, his waters must have become brackish, like, dirty. Um, but yeah, I don't really know what to make of that. 
Then we have Batia. Um, she may have been the mother of Tyndarius, Icarius, and Hippocoon. All these Spartan brothers with Tyndarius actually end up being king later. Um, as well as Irene, just like a random name to know, by Oebalus. Um, so that's just like a neat little thing. Like maybe this naiad's the mom. Um, a lot of naiads tend to possibly be the moms of a lot of famous characters. Um, Caliadne is apparently one of the wives of Aegyptus, the son of Belus and like Ancanoe, which we will also talk about later. Um, Caraclo, she could be the wife of Chiron, um, and bore to him Hippe and Deus, Alciroe, uh, and Charistus. She also may be the mother of Tiresias by Everese, so we're like not too sure if it's the same person, different Caraclos, what's going on there. Um, then next we have Iphianasa. She may be the mother of Aetolus, uh, son of Endymion, so just one of his sons, he has three. Um, but yeah, just like a little, like, oh, this is a possibility. Um, Paraboya, uh, she bore to Icarius, the son of Batia and Oebalus. So you see, like, connections already, right? Like, different naiads, how they're interacting with different parts of just even, like, genealogies. Um, she possi Paraboya possibly bore to Icarius, Thoas, Damasipus, Emmeusimus, Aletes, Paraleus, and Penelope. Penelope is like pretty much the most important one to know. Um, she ends up being the wife of Odysseus, but the rest of them kind of—I don't think they're that important to keep in mind. Polyxo, another naiad. She may be one of the wives of Tineus, uh, one of the sons, the other son of Belus and Ancanoe. Um, yeah, that's just like a little thing. Then there's Salmachus. Um, she actually attempted and successfully raped Hermaphroditus, the son of Hermes and Aphrodite. Uh, how that happened was, is, like, Hermes wanted to, like, sleep with Aphrodite, um, but Aphrodite didn't really want to, and then Zeus, like, had an eagle take her sandal and bring it to Hermes, so then she had to sleep with him to get a sandal, her sandal back. That was, like, the whole thing. Um, but, yeah, so Salmachus, uh, raping Hermaphroditus is actually really interesting because it's the only rapist nymph in myth. Like, there's no other nymph that has, like, r raped a mortal at any point. Um, so that's like a interesting thing to note. Uh, but yeah, so now when you go into the river or the lake slash spring Salmachus, you're supposed to turn into a hermaphrodite. That's like the idea. Then finally, we have Zeuxippe. Uh, she was this like wife of Pandion, the son of Erichthonius and Praxithea. Uh, he's also known as like a king of Athens, and she bore to him Procne, Philomela, Erechtheus, and Butes. Or Booties. Um, great name, great name. Love to say it when you can buzz in. But yeah, so that's like already all the naiads and all the oceanids that are significant that we can talk about. But now we need to move on to the rivers and their kids' bloodlines. So the rivers, um, this is why I've taken so long to put up this episode is because it took so long to write this out. Um, so I usually do like, you know, outlines for everything so I know like how to talk about it and what order I want to talk about. And this one's about 17 pages. Uh, so yeah, that's just like a thing. Like, there's just so much. Um, so what I want to preface before we start talking about the rivers is that knowing your geography is good in a way. I think uh, it is, like, it augments, like, what you're learning in the way I'm giving it the information to you. Um, because, like, as you put geography, you start making more and more connections and, like, start centering things. 
I frankly never did that though. I was very bad with geography, so I thought of a lot of things in independent locations, and then like would make and then like uh, when I was reviewing myth, I'd start making connections to be like, oh my god, this is a thing. And like if you know your geography from the get go, like the connections should already be there. So uh, I recommend learning geography, um, but it's not super super important. So yeah, so for example, Achelous is the first god we'll be talking about. Um, so he's known as like the oldest and greatest of the Greek river gods, and he is said to be on. The, he's the border of Aetolia and Acarnania. So like, I don't know what that means. I know those regions, and I can tell you about people within them, but I do not know like where they are, and that's pretty important, I think. Um, especially because there's like a whole group of people called the Aetolids. Uh, but yeah, so Achelous's like most famous story was that. Um, when he wrestled Heracles, uh, Heracles being the son of Zeus and Alcmene, for the hand of Deanira, this daughter of Oeneus and Althaea, uh, and he ended up losing both her hand, and when he turned into a bull while wrestling, he also lost a horn, uh, and that is thought to possibly be the cornucopia, although usually it's more attributed to like the Amalthea, like the goat that nursed Zeus. And so that tra like shapeshifting thing is like a really staple example of like water-based deities. Like they can all shapeshift is the whole thing. Um, when we talk about like Thetis and Peleus in more depth, there's like a whole thing about how she turns into like so many different uh, things just trying to escape him. And yeah, so like water deities are thought they can shapeshift, which makes sense if you think about, you know, like liquids in general and like how like uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> fluid they are. Um, but yeah, so Achelous by Perimide, this daughter of Aeolus and Enarite, or Enarite, he fathered two not super notable sons, uh, Hippo Hippodamas and Orestes, uh, but Hippodamas became the father of Eurite, who is the mother of Oeneus, Agrius, and like a bunch of other children. The significance here is that Oeneus is actually the same one mentioned earlier like he's also the father of Meliager by Althaea so it's like Meliager and Daenerys are actually siblings Meliager being a hero we will talk about later uh by Melpomene Achelous is said to have uh so Melpomene being the muse of tragedy so a daughter of Zeus and Nemosyne um he's said to have fathered the sirens this like group of like enchanting singing lady birds but they're like human I don't really know what's going on um, on Anthemoessa. So they're named usually uh, Pesanoe, she's like the lyre player. Then you have Aglaope, she's the singer. And then you have Thelxi, Thelxipea, and she's like the flute player. So there are other possible moms, including Calliope, like the muse of epic story and kind of considered the lead of the group, and Terpsichore, the muse of choral dance. Um, there also are a bunch of other sirens listed elsewhere, and they include Leucosia, Legea, Molpe, and Parthenope. And yeah, so that's pretty much like all of the uh, sirens, I guess, under uh, Achelous. Then we can move on to another uh, consort of his by some mysterious women, which is so great because Barthel always lists them as Madam X. He fathered Caloroy, the wife of Alcmaeon, uh, son of Amphiarius and Eryphile. When we talk about the Seven Against Thebes in that whole section, 
his story will become infinitely more significant. There's so much that occurs in just that little bit in terms of like competition myth. Um, but for now, we will do it as a simple suggestion and move or simple like, oh, here's a thing and move on. He has another famous story, uh, Achelous that is, where these daughters of like a different Hippodamas, not his son, failed to worship him properly, so they got turned into islands in his river and became the four Echinadian islands. Um, then he got Hippodamas's fifth daughter pregnant, Perimeli, and her father cast her into the river, and Achelous prayed to Poseidon to make her an island, and he did. So that's why there are five. <laughs> um, yeah, these types of stories are kind of troll because they're like pretty silly when you think about it um, also because you know the gods are being like the, the main source of all these problems with that said we can move on to our next river the Acheron the river of woe but w-o-e not w-o-h and so he's not super significant I mean besides like possibly being one of the rivers Charon crosses in the underworld um, Acheron by this nymph named Gorgira or Orphne just depends um, he fathered Ascalaphus, who was the first person recorded to have witnessed Persephone consuming the pomegranate seeds um, in the underworld. And so Demeter, uh, for him exposing this, literally put a stone up, like a stone upon him. Um, and later Heracles, I think, will encounter in the metamorphoses, actually uh, helps him escape. And then he just, he just uh, Ascalaphus just gets turned into a screech owl. So never really uh, made it out but that's pretty much it with Acheron we can move on to Alpheus uh, we mentioned him earlier Alpheus or Alpheus uh, the guy who chases Arethusa so by Telegony um, this is like the uh, you know the wife he's really loyal to I guess until the end uh, this daughter of like fairies slash Faris son of Hermes and Philodemea uh, so fairies founded Farai, which sounds really close to a different city called Farai. Do not get them mixed up. This dad's way more insignificant than uh, Admetus at Farai is. So, Alpheus and Telegony uh, had Orsilochus. Uh, his only significance is his home is where Odysseus and Iphitus, son of Eurytus, meet. Um... And, like, that's where Odysseus actually gets the bow that he would later use to kill all of his wife's suitors. Uh, Orsilochus then, like, so the significance pretty much drops from here. So Orsilochus then um, fathered this guy named Diocles, who had three kids, one named Orsilochus again, uh, Crethon, and they were both killed by Aeneas at Troy, and then Anticlea, this, like, wife of Machaon, um, just this, like, one of the doctors slash healers uh, at Troy for the Greeks um, so he's like a son of Asclepius and like a piony is usually the version but there's like six other moms that can possibly be it we'll just hope no one tells you that they're the other ones because a is like pretty safe and Diocles' significance just like his father was thanks to Telemachus son of Odysseus and Pisistratus staying at his home after visiting Menelaus in the Odyssey and then again, we have Arethusa, but we already mentioned her, so we'll just move on. Now, we have Asopus. So Asopus is actually pretty important in terms of like the general scheme, but because of a lot of information, and because we will get to talk about a lot of it later, I'll cut it short. Uh, by Metope, 
this daughter daughter of the river Lydon. Um, he fathered two super unfamous sons, um, Ismenus and Pelagon, and then 16 relatively famous daughters that we will talk about as we go along, so we're not going to stop now. Then we have Asterius, another river. He had three daughters, uh, Acraia, Euboia, and Prosimna, um, who, like all in one version, are considered to be the nurses of Hera. Euboia seems to be the only significant sister, though, because she married Phorbas, the son of Argos, son of Niobe and Zeus, and bore to him Triopas, a rather famous mythological father, who's the father of a bunch of characters we will encounter later, but we'll just kind of stop here for now. We then move on to Axius. Uh, his significance is pretty much that he and his wife Paraboya, this daughter of like Akesamenus, had Pelagon, who fathered Asteropius, the coolest person in myth in my opinion. Um, he's like the super tall warrior, the tallest one at Troy actually, and he's also ambidextrous. Um, and so he ends up wounding Achilles before dying to him. So it's interesting because you know like Achilles was said that he couldn't be wounded. Unless, like, you know, at the heel, but he literally, like, wounds Achilles. Maybe it's being ambidextrous, you know, being so bizarre. But yeah, he's, like, just super cool. So I decided we had to mention him. Um, then we have Kebrin. Kebrin's kind of important. Um, he fathers Asterope and Oinone. So Asterope, or Asterope, marries Isacus, the seer and, like, son of Priam and Arisbe. Um, just like a guy at Troy that you need to know. Then Oinone, she was actually the first lover of Paris, um, Paris being the son of Priam and Hecuba, and there was this prophecy that she would only be able, to, she would be the only one who could save him if he were wounded. And after he deserted Helen for her, she decided like she would never help him. So he ended up dying actually, because when he came to her on Mount Ida to ask her to heal him, she denied him. But then she immediately like regretted it after he died and threw threw herself on his pyre and burned with him whatever that's worth then we have Cephasus. um we already mentioned this earlier but by Liriope he fathered Narcissus and also a daughter Diogenea uh Diogenea married uh Frasimus and poor Praxithea who married Erechtheus king of Athens so then we can move on to Eridanus um besides being a river that Phython fell into when he burns up he also fathered Zuxippi, the mother of Bootes, the Argonaut by Teleon. That's like the only significance he really has there. Uh, the next one on the list is Eurotas. Again, only famous because he's like, so he's a Laconian river, um, but he's only famous because he fathered Pitane, who became the mother of Evadne by Poseidon. The significance there is like Evadne is like ends up being the mom of like this pretty famous seer that we'll talk about eventually. But yeah pretty much it then we have Inachus or Inachus however you want to say it one of the most famous and prolific rivers that we will ever talk about um he is like the river of Argos is how to think about it so he alongside Cephasus and Asterion helped decide whether Hera or Poseidon would be the patron deity of Argos and they ended up unanimously deciding Hera leading to Inachus being dry except during the rainy season um, so that was kind of like Poseidon's like uh, backhanded way for you know not getting picked. So with Melia, he fathered many a children. Pheronius, who will be talked about much later in an episode on Argos, um, 
by Talidice, uh slash Cinna. Pheronius was actually the father of Apis, Car, and Niobe. Niobe being the first mortal woman loved by Zeus. Um, that's just like a thing to know. Then with Melia, he also fathered Aegealeus. No significant uh, progeny, but he has significance in Argus we'll talk about later. He fathered Phegeus. He fathered Arsinoe slash Alphesiboia. And so the only real significance there is that uh, uh, she was the first wife of Alcmaeon, who we'll again talk about later. And then he had four random sons that aren't really important, Agenor, Axion, Pronoas, and Temenus. They're just like, you know, random names that I guess you could know. Io, his most famous daughter by far, who we'll talk about in the Metamorphoses section, is the mother of Epaphus by Zeus. Um, we'll talk about them again a little later in the next episode. Mycenae is the next one he fathers. She married a restor, and they are either the parents of Argos Panoptes, the one uh, who guards Io, or Argus, the builder of the Argo. It's not really too clear. Um, that's also a classic thing in myth, is to not be completely sure about which person is the child or the parents. Uh, then finally, he fathered Philodice, uh a daughter. She married Leucippus, and they had Arsinoe, uh, possibly this mother of Asclepius by Apollo, and Phoebe and Helira, way more important, because um, they're the famous sister duo that the Dioscuri uh, Castor and Pollux, the children of like Leda and Tyndarius, uh, carried off and ended up in a big battle. Now we can move on to the Ladon. Um, by Stymphalus, this nymph, he fathered Metope, Telfusa, and Themis. We already discussed Metope. Telfusa just has a funny story where she convinced Apollo not to build a temple by her waters because the noise of animals watering may bother like pilgrims coming to like perform offerings. But then after he sets up his oracle of Delphi, he just comes back and dries her up because she lied. <laughs> it's just like a, such a troll story. Um, but yeah, then Themis, um, she's actually said to be the Arcadian nymph who bore Evander to Hermes. Um, Evander is like this pretty significant guy that we'll encounter in the Aeneid. But he's said to have gone to Italy with a bunch of Greek colonists 60 years before the Trojan War. Um, he's a super great guy, actually. Uh, we'll like him a lot when we meet him in the Indian. Um, so then we can move on. We have the Meander. Uh, it's just this Phrygian river that was super windy. So that's actually where we get the English word meander from. And so he had a daughter named Samia, who married Anchias, king of Samos, and son of Astypalaea daughter of Phoenix and Poseidon. And he was the pilot of the Argo after Tiphys died. He may have also been the same Anchias who was told he would never taste his own vineyard. As he was about to take a sip, he heard that there was a boar ravaging his vineyard, and he rushed to stop it, but was killed. Otherwise, it was Arcadia Anchias, son of Lycurgus and Cleophyli slash Hironobe. But yeah, because the two Anchiases have some, or Anchiae, I guess, have some, like, uh, disputed stories about who it's attributed to it makes it a bit confusing but just be aware that it possibly could be the same guy then we have cyane um a way more famous daughter for myander um she 
actually uh, was the wife of Miletus, the son of Apollo and Akakale, or Akakalis, this daughter of Minos. Um, they, she bore to uh, Miletus, Byblus, and Caunus. The story is super awkward, and we'll talk about it in the Metamorphoses. A side note on Miletus. Uh, he was he was actually in this weird situation where the three children of Zeus and Europa, Minos, Rhadamanthus, and Sarpedon, all wanted him, but he only liked Sarpedon, so Minos chased them up. It's a weird little story. That's where like Miletus comes from, and then I guess ends up marrying Cyane, and then having his kids. Now we have Nilus, Nilus. It's literally just the embodiment of the Nile. So he had three daughters named Memphis, Acheroi slash Ankinoe, um and Telvasa, Telephasa. So Memphis married Epaphus, son of Zeus and Io, and bore to him Libya. Acheroi slash Ankinoe married Belus, son of Poseidon in Libya, and bore to him Theronia and the famous twins Aegyptus and Danaeus. Belus is also thought to be the ancestor of Dido, although those connections are a bit loose and I can't really follow as to how that works out completely, chronologically, or just like in any sense. Telephasa married Agenor, son of Poseidon in Libya, the twin of Belus, and bore to him Europa, Cadmus, Phoenix, Silix uh, or Kilix, uh, Phineas, and Thassus, all super significant to the founding of Thebes. We'll talk about that when we get to Thebes. Now we can move on to Peneus, or Peneus, however you want to say it. Uh, he was married to Creusa and Oceanid. Allegedly, he was the father of some guy named Atrox, who is the father of Hippodamea, the wife of Perithous, who had like the whole fight of Lapiths versus Centaurs at the wedding with Eurytion the Centaur trying to steal her, um, but it ended up being a big battle known as like the battle of like, the Lapiths and Centaurs. Um, Pirithous is a son of Ixion and Dia. Usually Hippodamea's dad is said to be some guy named Butes, though, over Atrox. I couldn't find him pretty much anywhere. Andreas and Evippi or Euippi, um, this daughter of Lucon, son of Athamas, had Eteocles, the successor king to Andreas, first king of Boeotian or Commonus. Eteocles is known to be the first man to name the three Garyses and sacrifice to them. So when Eteocles died childless as king, he left it to Almus, son of Sisyphus, and Almus had two daughters, Chrysi and Chrysogonea, who both bore children to keep succeeding at Boeotian or Commonus. Uh, that being, like, Ares and Chrysi had Phlegios, terrible guy, apparently so bad that he got punished in Tartarus, but Hades Tartarus, not, like, the general concept of Tartarus, um, who was succeeded by Chryses, son of Chrysogonea and Poseidon, who in turn was succeeded by his son Minyas, who was mentioned earlier as a son of Caloroy the Oceanid. So big thing here that I'm trying to do by, like, you know, showing, like, telling all these different genealogies and throwing a bunch of parentage at you that like probably has no base right now until you draw it all out or something is that connections are super prevalent like so many stories are just completely intertwined and you just like have to um not have to but like once you notice them it really starts like helping make connections and making things easier for yourself as you're like oh yeah like these are all the relations this is why this happens this is like yeah um it also should just show you like how intertwined uh, families are in myth. How many interactions occur, especially in like the immortal side to mortal side, like how much goes there. Uh, then Peneus was also the father of Hypsaeus. He fathered Astyagia, Cyrene, and Themisto. 
Astyagia married Periphas, this son of like Lapithes, and Orsinome, and bore him eight kids, of whom Antion's the oldest, and the father of Ixion, the father of Perithous, the husband of Hippodamea. Connections, right? Right. We just talked about this. We just talked about Hippodamea, and the relation to like her being possibly a son of uh, the daughter of the son of uh, Peneus, and now we're seeing Peneus's son's daughters. Uh, like, I guess, great-grandson um, being, like, the husband. So, like, you can see, like, all these connections that are there. It's just, like, you have to find out so many trees and, like, put it all together. But it's, like, nice because it also keeps track of, like, oh, okay, look at all these relationships. You can figure out, like, how people are, like, connected and all this and how immortals do all this, right? Because immortals, a big thing they do is because of their interaction so consistently, they connect so many family trees together. And it's just absurd. Um, but it is a thing, and we have to sadly deal with it. Then, Peneus was also the father of Cyrene, this super cool huntress um, who Apollo saw wrestling a lion and found her to be so stunning. He actually asked Chiron, like, oh, what's her, like, ancestry, bro? Like, how is she doing this? And he was like, she's just a daughter of Hypsaeus. Um, and then... She later bore him Aristias, the like bee god, the bee keeping god, and then the seer Idmon. The Mista, the final child of Hepseus, was the third wife of Athamas, this king of Orchomenus, son of Iolus and Arete. They had a lot of children, you can probably tell. And she bore to him Sphinxius and Orchomenus, a great name. Fun story, she was super jealous of her husband's previous kids. So she had the nurse, who turned out to be Ino, the previous wife, to cover the previous kids with black and Themistos with white. Ino logically flipped them, and Themisto killed her own children. So instead, when she walked in at night to the room, she was like, oh, I gotta kill those kids uh, with black. And she ended up killing her own kids. So, you know, karma. But yeah, then we have Daphne. Um, super classic story of Apollo, which we will talk about in the Metamorphoses, but I figured it should be good to talk about now in like a supplemental podcast where I'm already talking about so much other, so many other things. Um, Apollo had made fun of Cupid for his dainty bow and arrow and how Cupid isn't really the very masculine. So Cupid just completely dumpstered Apollo, made him fall in love with Daphne, made Daphne feel quite the opposite. Um, so then Apollo chased her and she ran away. And she prayed to Gaia or Peneus, depending on the version, and got turned into a laurel tree. And then Apollo, for some reason, was like, oh, this is my uh, crown of victory, the laurel. Which is so odd, because it was a girl running away from him. Apollo's a really messed up dude. Then, um, also, he was the father of Manipi. She married Pelascus, son of Zeus and Niobe. Told you we'd mention him again. In some versions, like, only one book seems to say this. Um, sometimes he's usually just said to be autocathonus, which means, like, he came out of the ground. Either way, um, he's known for being the first man to live in Arcadia. Uh, he invented the use of houses. He distinguished between edible and poisonous plants. He invented sheepskin coats and taught aboriginals to eat acorns, and he was the first person to, like, gather people together into a city. So he was pretty significant in terms of, like, a mortal aspect. Uh, pretty insignificant in terms of, like the immortal realm. Then we have Stilbe, uh, the final daughter that we will talk about of Peneus, and she bore Lap Lapithes, 
and uh, centaurs to Apollo, making another connection again as Lapithes bore Periphas, whom Astyagia wed. So you can already see so many connections just within this one family. We've already found how many different interactions have occurred to produce this genealogy line that the mortals have, but it's like, how does it interact with the immortals? And so you already see this massive connection tree, right? If it keeps connecting back to the same tree, because immortals just don't care who they're banging and wedding. So then next on this list of rivers we have, we have Sangarius. Um, he fathered with either Metope, Unoe, or Evagora. Uh, usually the Evagora is said to be the one. Uh, Hecuba, Alphaeus, and Nana. So Hecuba was the wife of Priam, who bore a ton of children. Trojan War will come in due time. We'll talk about it then. Um, but then he... Uh, then he also fathered Alphaeus. He's actually said to have instructed Athena in playing the flute, even though she invented it, so kind of questionable. Um, and he got killed by Zeus for trying to assault Athena. Uh, so yeah, fun fun little story. People, guys love assaulting women in myth. Don't know what's wrong with all of them. Then we have Nana. So Nana has a whole mess of a story, and we'll just go over it now because holy crap. So, there's a Phrygian mother goddess named Sibylle, who, according to Pausanias, uh, said to have resulted because Zeus ejaculated upon the ground of Mount Dindymus, and apparently the uh, ejaculation, I guess, just started to like, gather up and become something, and they're like, holy crap, what's happening? And uh, eventually, it, it's like a, it grows into a person with both full male and female genitals, so they cut off the male genitals, and she ends up being Sibylle slash Agdistus. So from these severed male genitals um, rose an, arose an almond tree. Nana then placed one of the fruits in her lap, just like, you know, she saw an almond tree, and was like, I'm going to sit with this. And she became pregnant, a very classic way of becoming pregnant in mythology. And she gives birth to Attis, who was somehow suckled by a he-goat. Um, I, I don't know what to say about that besides, huh? Like, what? Um, but anyways, he gets suckled by a he-goat, and he becomes this looker, apparently. Like, straight up, just, wow. Nice on the eyes. And Agdis, Agdistus fell in love with him, uh, or Sibley. Sibley's probably better. And Attis didn't know this, so he's gonna go marry some daughter of some king of Pessinus, this city at the foot of Mount Dindymus, and Sibley did not like that. And so she caused him to go mad, and he castrated himself. And Zeus, on Sibley's behalf, made sure the corpse never decayed, or it became an evergreen pine really depends on which version of the story you take either way completely bizarre um so sibley seems to have gotten very mad at a guy for not knowing that she liked him and then he went to marry someone else um yeah that's a that's a great little story um nana is like a really weird story honestly in myth um but it's one to know it's one to know so then we have the scamander slash xanthus um xanthus is specifically the name the gods knew him by I don't know why this is specific to Scamander, but that's just a thing. And so he was married to Adaya, the nymph of Mount Adaya, or Ida, and uh, they had three kids, Caleroy, Strymo, and Tucare. So Caleroy married Tros, king of Troy, son of Erichthonius, who's the son of Dardanus and Batea, and Astyache, so Erichthonius and Astyache fathered Tros, and bore to him Illus, Asarachus, Ganymede, and Cleopatra. Just keep that in mind, alright? 
Now we have Strymo. Strymo married Laomedon, son of Illus, son of Tros. So Laomedon, son of Illus, and Eurydice. Uh, and Strymo and Laomedon had Priam and Hesione. So we're already seeing connections, right? We have Illus being the son of Tros, who we just talked about earlier. And then, and then, we have Tuker. He fathered Batea, whom he married to Dardanus, who is the, who are the parents of Erichthonius, who is the father of Tros, who is the grandfather of Laomedon, and father of Illus. So you can already see, again, just how many connections are within these, like, regions. Because whenever these rivers, like, you have it makes sense though, right? Because these rivers are like in some geographic location. All their kids are going to be produced within that like region, right? And in the region, it's like, what do you interact with? You interact with the people there. So that's why all these immortal lines are like being so intertwined with like the same mortal line. But it's really interesting because like you start to see like, oh, okay. And so as you think about like parents and who's connected to who and who's connected to who, it's not super hard to keep track of because you're like, oh yeah, this, 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 this. And like it just forms a line. It just forms a line and you start putting people together because you're like, oh, well, these are the parents, these are the parents, these are the parents. And it's like you get a family tree going in your head without even intentionally drawing one. So, yeah, that's just like, I don't know, it's wild, though. It makes sense, but it's also just like, what? So then we have the Samoyas, um, a, tribu a tributary um, to the Scamander. So he fathered both Astyache, the wife of Erichthonius, mother of Tros, and Hyrom Hyromnomy, the wife of Asarachus, another child, I believe, of uh, Tros, and mother of Capus, and therefore the grandfather of An uh, Capus being the grandfather of Aeneas. Boom, connections, right? And Aeneas is a big deal because there's a work literally named after him called the Aeneid. Like, the amount of connections is actually absurd. Um, it's really crazy to think about and just realize once you, like, talk about it in this like methodical way of like looking at specific people and everything they impact then we have Spergeus, uh father of Dryops and Menestheus by Polydora this is daughter of Peleus and Antigone Antigone not being Oedipus Antigone but daughter of Eurytion um, usually just Polydora's husband Boris fathered them though um, not too often is it Spergeus? Anyways, Menestheus' significance is that he was one of the five captains under Achilles at Troy. Um, and then Dryops' significance is because his daughter Dryope, who was like just, she was just raped by Apollo, who rolled up as a tortoise, and then uh, she bore Amphysus, who's supposed to be this like just super powerful mortal, just to know about. Then we have Strymon. Uh, he is allegedly this like just weirdly like flowing river because Heracles filled up the upper part of the river with stones because Strymon may have helped to disperse the cattle of Geryon that Heracles needed is like tenth labor and so yeah that's just like a funny little thing about his river and so by Neaira daughter of Perius he fathered Evadne who married Argus son of Zeus again a connection already there and then he also fathered Rhesus by Euterpe the muse of, muse of lyric poetry. Um, this Rhesus was the Thracian king that we'll learn about in the Iliad, so we won't talk about it right now, but just know, like, 
He's that father. Finally, we have Triton. This is not the Triton of Poseidon and Amphitrite, so it will not last very long. Um, he's just said to have raised Athena alongside his daughter Pallas, whom she accidentally killed one day. And this is where she gets the epithet of Pallas. Um, she also makes the Palladium as an image of Pallas, her companion whom she killed. Um, it was in Olympus until one day it fell out on either either on accident or because Zeus tossed it out in a fit of rage when he was trying to rape Electra, the Pleiade, and it ended up in Troy. And then it remained in the temple to Athena until Odysseus and Diomede stole it away. So that is pretty much everything. Uh, all the information for this episode. Definitely not a thing to simply sneeze at. Um, that was a lot. That is a lot of time. Um, it's just a long episode with just a ton of information, and it's really overwhelming. I really understand that. Um, I'm sorry. You don't have to listen. I, again, I guess if you're already here, you already did. But like, this is not an episode where like you have to listen to it. I just think it's interesting to learn it this way. Um, you also just make a bunch of connections this way, and it's kind of interesting. But again, this is an appendage episode, like video episode, not video episode. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, connection, connections. Connections are really big. Um, I, I'm sure you noticed that while listening to me just ramble and just talk and talk and talk and talk. Like, connections are completely there. And it's just like once you make them, it just always makes things clear. It also, like, just blows your mind. Like, it blows my mind like you know making these episodes because i am doing research to make sure i remember everything and i'm like this is a connection this is a connection like i spent like an hour just flipping through different parts of this dictionary like being like whoa whoa, whoa wait so who's if this is this then who's this then who's this like mapping out the entire line of like who led boyotian or communist because i was like whoa like that's just so crazy to see all those connections um but yeah i sincerely apologize for how long this episode is uh it is just a brutal amount of information there are a lot of fun stories i hope along the way that i can deliver okay um i hope it was educational as always if you have any questions comments concerns or suggestions you have my email um, but otherwise i will see you on the next appendage episode before we finally get to the rise of the supremacy of zeus thanks a lot and uh take care